Many testimonies. I was looking at Brother Marco there. I saw you and your family. They went through a rough spot, but they came out better. And, and we thank God. Nice to see you again, my brother. And many of us could testify the same thing. Are you happy that He abides? Amen. Let's turn the order of the service. We're going to go to the scripture. Thank you to the musicians. Sure enjoyed the specials. I don't think I'll remember the picture of your daughter singing. I had to come out of the office, Brother Mark, to, to watch her. That was. That was marvelous. That was marvelous. And you know what? We're all just little children. We're all just little children. And God delights in it. Romans chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 13. We'll take the second part of the two parts of the covenant. We'll go in verse, verse 13. I'm not going to take a lot of background. I'm just going to go directly into the thought. And we'll just follow through as the Lord would lead us. Verse 13, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, then faith is made void. If all it takes was for an Israelite to be in the right lineage just to be there, then, then that was a different dispensation. In this dispensation, it's not just good enough to be born in a message home. It, it's, a, it's a higher law. It's not good enough just to say, I accept it, I believe, 
You know, we often coin the phrase, you know, are they believers? You know, as, and, and that's nothing wrong with it. But is, it's greater than that. Is God bearing witness in their life? So if they which of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where the no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they are. Is there some of Abraham's seed here? I don't believe what's happening in Laodicea. I don't believe what's happening in politics. I believe God is coming. I believe his kingdom is coming. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider it. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone, but it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Amen. How many want to be remembered tonight? Heavenly Father, as hands were raised all around the building, we're happy to be found in the house of the Lord we're happy to be where the Spirit of the Lord is. We're happy where there's liberty. And Lord, that we have an opening in this world, Lord, that is falling apart, that we can see, Lord, a new heavens, a, a new earth on the horizon, a new kingdom coming. And Lord, we're so grateful you've called us. Like Abraham, out of Babylon, out of, out of the mess of the world, we're thankful to be found here. And Lord, maybe some of us are in the journey at different places, but oh Lord, quicken us tonight. Lord, cause us to come, cause us to be drawn to you, to be encouraged, stabilized, helped in our walk. Lord, as we now take this little while just in the word, not to be long, but Lord, just to be an encouragement, just to help us for the journey ahead. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have your seats this morning as we had spoke. Uh, there's two parts, and we took the part of the, the, uh, the, the laundrymen. Brother Brandon would say the Chinese that came, they were laundrymen, how they ripped the paper. And then Brother Brandon would say, now, 
you came in and you had your dirty clothes that you brought in, but you could redeem them by this ticket because it matched the ticket that came in. Now, the ticket that they held, the laundryman held, he was holding it while he was washing your clothes. So you were able to come back for clean clothes. You're able to come back cleaned and redeemed. And Brother Branham would say, all, all the promises of the Old Testament were met in Jesus Christ. And he says it couldn't be in any of the prophets, but it was met in that masterpiece. So will the church have to be a match to everything God has promised. The original is the word and all the subjects that's been taken from the word to match his side. When you, the law condemned you and said you were dirty, you were guilty, and you could be put in prison, but when he came, he was the match piece for it that could take you out and bring you back the complete ticket the redemption that God had promised from the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were under a covenant. That covenant uh, was, you do this, I'll do that. And Adam and Eve couldn't keep that covenant. They went into the fall. And, and if you just think about this, God allowed 2,000 years of history to pass he allowed the flood to come. He allowed all that time. He allowed the Tower of Babel. He allowed man coming to that place. He brought a Babylon, a confusion. It didn't look like there was a lot of righteousness on the earth. But in the middle of that righteousness, he looked down. He saw a man named Abraham, and he spoke to him to leave all that he saw, all that he knew, all his life, all 75 years. And he says, cross, leave that land and cross over and come into a land that I will show you. And that was right out of a Babylon. It was right out of idol worship. Uh, that's the same as we are. You say, well, Brother Ed, we're not in idol worship. Really? We are in the middle of idol worship. In the world, they have all of their stars that they worship. They have all of their materialism that they worship. They have all of the things that are there. Religion also has, uh, it's our church, it's our way, it's, it's our man, it's, it's, and it can be all of those things. But God wants us to see him in the middle of all of that. He doesn't want anything between. Now, so he finds this man, and he's an ordinary man. And I'm going to just follow through with the, the quote we left off on. He said, now, and, and i got to slow down. Brother Branham, even the part I'm going to read, he says, I want to take my time. <laughs> Actually, he is speaking this message in Edmonton in 1957, and it's under Jehovah Jireh, and he says, if I ever come to Edmonton again, I would like to take a month or two or three weeks just Bible teaching these things to get the scare away from the people. They come nervously. They, he, he says, oh this, oh that. He said, that's not it. You come quietly, reverently, soberly, without a shadow of doubt, and then it's anchored. So if he spoke that back then, Maybe there was a need for it here. Maybe we need it. So we're, we're taking our time. Is that all right today? And he says, now, 
Abraham was just an ordinary man that God chose. He had nothing to do with it. Neither have you got anything to do with it. It's God's business to make the choice. Now, God made his covenant with Abraham absolutely unconditional. No ifs and ands about it. The covenant had absolutely no strings attached to it, and Abraham had nothing to do with it. Now, if we could catch that, if we could recognize in the call of God that the call of God is so sovereign. You know, Abraham, we read the scripture this morning out of Genesis 11. Terah came out of out of the Ur of Chaldees, out of Babylon. Lot came out of Babylon. Abraham came out of Babylon. Out of all of those that came out, what was the difference with Abraham? God spoke to him. What was the difference? Terah just came along. He never had the depth of what Abraham had. Lot never had the depth of what, what Abraham had. The difference was when God speaks and you respond, your response to that voice is righteousness to God. You, you, if, if I came and I tried to convince you today to, fall, to give your life to God, that, that would be, and you would do it, that would only carry you so far. But if God came down and said, I'm calling you, I'm taking you, I want you for my namesake, I want you, that means everything. So it's not about what we say and what we do, but it's what God says. You know, Abraham, God called Abraham, Abraham called Lot. And, and you know, you call somebody, you have to take care of them. That's what happened. Brother Adam would say Lot was, Abraham was a dollar bill. He says Lot was a penny. Not saying Lot didn't have value. Not saying that there aren't people that will come. But God had a people that were in his heart, that he had in his mind. It was a bride. He had predestination. If, if God didn't have predestination. Now, let me, let me just take it this way. Let me say it like this. God had to have predestination. That's why he died. He died for those that were written on the book. But he also is such a good God that he said, whosoever will, let him come. He offered it to Cain. He offered it to the Catholic Church. He still offers it to everybody today. And if you come, he actually has room for you. But there's also a people that were predestinated by God, a people that he saw before the foundation of the world, a people that had something in them that they came from another place, and even though the way was darkened, they didn't, uh, they, they, they didn't pass through their theophany, but yet something within them couldn't help but respond. So that's the righteousness of God. So Brother Branham would go on to say, he was, Abraham was a man who believed God. He came from a family of idolaters. God was looking, now he's, I, I just need to slow, he says, because I really want us to identify with this. It's not Father Abraham and, you know, we just catch the picture like Hollywood would portray you know, a man with a beard and, and, and just a rugged man. And, and that, that, that's true. But before all of that picture and, and that we idolize that man, he said, he was just like you and I. And, and his weaknesses showed up. You see it in the Old Testament. 
You see it all the way through? But when, when Paul in the New Testament looked through the blood, he said, I, and he says, he staggered not. His faith was working. He, he, he was strong in praise, giving, giving, giving thanks to God. Now, he said he was an ordinary man. He was no angel. Okay, one more time. Remove your halos, put them down. We're not angels here tonight. If there's anything good, it's because God called us. It's because God said that you're mine and, and I want you to come to me. That's the goodness. That's what we were testifying of, how God would take us in the midst of this world. He said, now God was looking over the earth to see a man he could put confidence in that would believe him regardless of circumstances, and he found Abraham and called Abraham by election. The covenant was made with Abraham. It's absolute grace altogether. Abraham received the covenant without any merits at all. And he just says this again. He was an ordinary man. He was not a holiness man. My. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. Now, I'm, I'm just taking you a little bit on the limb this way. But I'm going to bring you back here just shortly. Now, let's just stay, stay on this side of the limb for a minute. I'll be careful that we don't go way off to the edge that the branch breaks, but, but I'm, I'm going to take you back here in a minute. I want to, just, let's turn just to a scripture, Psalms chapter 65, verse 4. Psalms chapter 65, verse 4. David would say this, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, <clears throat> and causes to approach unto you that he may dwell in thy courts, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house and even of thy holy people. So, blessed is the man that God chooses, that God calls. He didn't call everybody on this earth. Some of the heathen will never hear the name of Jesus Christ. They will have their opportunity yet. They will be given an opportunity. Even as Brother Man would say, souls that were in prison in the Old Testament, Jesus went down and preached unto them. He had to do it. The last call was to the eternal lost. But I'm saying there's others that'll never had a, they'll have a chance to hear the name of Jesus. Uh, that's, that's another service. I'm not going to try and get into that today. But he says, that the goodness of God, that we would be chosen. Now, I'm going to back up just a little further. Psalm 32. Psalms 32, verse 2. Let's just read verse 1, actually. Blessed is he whose transgression, transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Now, it's, it's amazing when you would look at, at God's account of righteousness. Because two people can do the same act, and God will look at one and say, that's righteous, and to the other one you'll say, that's no good. I can't accept that. And you know what? You can go with this, and I'm not going to take the time in the Scripture, 
But if you actually go into the book of Matthew, I believe it is, when Zacharias is in the temple and the angel appears to him and tells him that he's going to have a child and then he, he answers the question, how can this be? And we think, yeah, he's just asking a question. And then the angel rebukes him and said, because you believed not, he says, you will be dumb. You won't be able to say a word until the child is born. Now, if you go a few chapters over, here's Mary. An angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a child. And, and she says, how can these things be? Same words. And he says, blessed art thou among women. Now, you, you can have a question in your heart or you can have a questioning spirit. And it's a, there's a two different things. You can have an honest question. I said, I don't understand how this is going to work, but I know you're going to make it work, Lord. I don't know how. And the other says, I don't get it. Like, there's no way. Forget it. Same answers, but yet two different spirits. So, so it's, it's righteousness is imputed when, when God would look down and see our response to his movement towards us. Now, now Brother Adam would say, he, you know, he, he, would, he would actually say, I am God's voice to you. And, 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 and the Bible says, Blessed is he who receives him whom I send. So the ability to recognize what God brings across your way and to recognize it as God is something that I believe God puts into the believer that, that you've been longing for it all your life. You've been desiring it all of your life. And when it finally, when it finally comes together, that's the missing piece. That's the part that I always longed for. The, the, some of the believers that have run in the world and, and done things and, and just been headlong into things, hungering, desiring, got into sin, got into things. But when the message came, yes, that fits, just leave it all. We, we've had different ones here that have just come out of the world, just out of, out of nowhere. But it's, it now fits. This is what I was longing for. I, I, I can say that. I tried with all my heart to fit in to school. I tried, you know, I, I always thought we had a such a strange family. You know, you get to those teenage years and, you know, you're, you're driving down the street, you're in the car and your friends would see you and wave. I, I just used to slink down in my seat so they wouldn't see me going to church on a Sunday morning because my spirit hadn't been changed. But I'll tell you what, afterwards, <laughs> hey, it was a completely different thing. I, I'm a Christian. I, I, I wasn't out you know, out raising placards and promoting I, just who I am, everybody in their nature. But I'll just say this, when he came, when he came to me. So blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. So impute is the act where God accounts righteousness to the believer. Now, we, we took this this morning um, a little bit with Abraham, and we just said, you know, Abraham... He heard God, and then it said, he did what God said, and it was accounted righteousness to him. Now, I, I'm going to read a scripture. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. We'll go back to this just for a minute. We read this this morning. And, and uh, David would say in verse 6, even as David also describes the blessedness of a man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So 
when you accept God in the Old Testament, let's say, you know, somebody else spoke to you and you did it, you know, God would say, good for you. You, you obeyed your parents, you did this. But now, it's me speaking. And when you accept and say, you're the sovereign, you're God, you're everything, that, that's righteousness. Furthermore, when you just fast forward now 2,000 years, now Christ comes, and when he speaks, he's the entire package. He is not just the, 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 as it was in the Old Testament, the law and the shadow and the prophets, but now he is the fulfillment of the prophets, and when you accept him, you have access to cleansing. You have access to washing. You have access to everything that was in Christ. And, and when you receive him, you're a candidate. That's why when you come into the tank and you're baptized, you can receive every redemptive blessing at that moment if your heart is open. Now God knows we need some character. God knows we need some molding. God knows how to bring it in its time and season. But if you can recognize it's God that came and you're one of them. Oh, I'm so glad I'm one of them. Brother Bam says, in Christ the mystery of God revealed. Watch this mystery. He says, it was God in Christ, Christ in the church, all together back to the original Adam and Eve, same blood, same spirit. Now he makes this comment. He says, the church is the blood of Christ by the Spirit. I, I, this sometimes is, is hard for someone to swallow. I, I want to take it this way. Think about Abraham and his journey. He did as God said. Then as God, he went along, he did further. He was building in faith all the time. He was moving in faith all the time. Till we come down to Genesis 17, where God says, now walk before me and be perfect. Circumcise yourself. I'm going to give you a sign in the flesh. I'm going to, you're identified with me and I with you. And he, Abraham needed that because in Genesis 18, when three men came to visit and they said, where is Sarah, your wife? Why did she laugh? And, and, and he says, Brother Adam would say, though the, Sarah would have died right at that time, but God couldn't take her because he already had invested into Abraham, and when he invested into Abraham, that would have been like taking a part of Abraham away. It's the same for us. We sin, we make mistakes, but because we've accepted Christ, God cannot judge us, but he's looking through the blood. He sees Christ. He sees what we've accepted. Though we haven't come to fullness yet, he is looking at us through the blood. Oh, I'm so glad it's there. I, I'm so Nothing but the blood. Now, he, he, he will say, the church is the blood of Christ by the Spirit because the life is in the blood. The baptism of the Holy Ghost baptizes us into his body, and that recognizes only his body, his flesh, his blood. Denomination will never touch this. It's a revelation. She knows it. Eve knew it, but she fell. But this one knows it, and she won't fall. You know, I, if we could see, it's already done. 
The fact that he came to us, that we're in this age where it's the fullness, where we're coming to a resurrection, we are the final part of the masterpiece. As Christ was the Old Testament, so is the bride, the New Testament masterpiece. And he says, she's predestinated, blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sin. You know, I, 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 if you can think about this. We're going to come to the judgment bar. There are people that are going to be judged because they were married and divorced and remarried. And there's some that are sitting under this message that are, have the same things, but they've accepted what God said in his heart to us through a messenger, and God says, that's righteous. Now, now you can't figure that out. You can't figure out how David... A man after God's own heart would commit a sin, would have a man killed, and then take his wife for his own wife, and out of that relationship would be the next king of Israel. You can't figure that out. Now, David was in the flesh. David did, maybe didn't have the Holy Ghost. David didn't do all of those things. So before you get saying, well, if David can do it, I can do it. No, you can't. You're under a higher level. So don't even try it. Don't think that I ever typed that here in that way. I didn't. Good. If I need to say it again, I'll say it again. So, so here, here the Bible is telling us, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to move this along a little further. Brother Bannon would also, I, I could read from 1 John chapter 3. Maybe I'll just read one scripture out of that first John chapter 3 where it, it would just speak I'm going to just read verses 5 and verses 9 first John chapter 3 you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin whosoever abideth in him sinneth not and he said and he, he, he would say, sinneth not, whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. Now, do believers sin? They make mistakes all the time. But do they do it willfully after they're born? No, they get trapped into it. And there's a difference of the truth. That's why it's so important when Brother Branham said, what, do I have the token, Brother Branham? He said, well, what were you before and what are your desires after? That's how you know it. If your desire is still for the things of the world, he's saying something needs to happen yet. And he goes down to verse 9. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. When you sin, you get, you, you get punishment for it. God, God, you're his child. He, 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 he gives you a spanking sometimes. Because he doesn't want you doing that. So there's something that's got to be done. But, you know, there, there's something in the believer. His heart's changed. His desire's changed. Give me Jesus. I think I, that was just preached at the young people's service. Give me Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm just, if I can move this just a little further. There's, there's um, Brother Branham would talk a little bit. And let me just finish with this thought here. He says, there's a sister that came to Brother Branham. I think it was Sister Bruce is her name. And she's, she's desiring 
to, she's, she's desiring to know if, if, where she stands with God. And Brother Branham says these words in the Masterpiece message. He says, Sister, don't look at yourself. It's what your desire is and what you try to do. If you really love the Lord, you try to serve Him with all your heart. Then all your mistakes is hid in the blood of Jesus. See, He made a way. And then he just refers directly to Abraham. He made a covenant with Abraham unconditionally. And every time he started, he would start a masterpiece. Satan would get it because the word. But when he started with Abraham, this was unconditional. He was determined to have another masterpiece. Amen. Let's, we could take here many things. If I just summarize so in the masterpiece, Brother Bram says the foundation was Abraham, who was the foundation of faith. After that was, so Abraham represented faith. After that, Abraham's seed. Then came Isaac. Isaac was love. I'll come back to that in a minute. The, the foundation of grace was Jacob. And then finally, Joseph was there in perfection. And all of these were building to a masterpiece. And, and if God started that way with Abraham, he can't change his mind. So what he started with Abraham, he did knowing you and I would be here today. Knowing that we would be in spiritual Babylon. Knowing that, there, that everything was going to be idol worship around us. Knowing that, that if he would do something with us the same as he did for Abraham, we could hang on to it in this day. Now, Brother Adam would say it this way. He's the never-changing God. God never changes his method. You can, I can. Time changes, the world changes, but God doesn't change. If he saved man one time because he repented, he'll save man again. So God says, I'm going to take this ordinary man. I'm going to show my grace to him. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to reveal myself to him, and he's going to respond to me. I, I, I need your engagement here tonight. I'm gonna, if I have to, I'm going to go just in a slightly different direction, but I, I really want to get something across here yet tonight. Listen, the message is not a law. If you're, there, there's many people I find, and at times in my own life I have found it, that we serve God under fear. We serve God because we're, we're worried that the minute I do wrong, uh, that, he, that lightning's going to come out of heaven and strike me down, I'm going to cut off. That's not the way God operates. If you've accepted God, if you've, 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 you've said, I, I, I genuinely am sorry, Lord, and I believe what you said about me, and I'm going to follow you. That's righteousness. God, you're on the journey then. So we've got to get that fear off of us. And secondly, as we serve God, we are not a denomination. We are not under man's rules. We are not under the law. And you can say, well, well, does that mean I can do anything I want? No, I'm going to bring that back right away. But I'm going to say, out of love, I want to serve him. Brother Branham, do I have to go to church every Sunday? No, you don't. I, he said, if I'm saved, I can go fishing every Sunday. And I, some brother, wow. Where is that quote? Let me find that. No, no. Hang on. I said, but if God is in your heart, you'll want to be here. You're not doing it because there's a law. <laughs> okay, I, I get, I, while I'm there, I may as well read it. My goodness. How did I get way out there? 
So here he says this. Uh, questions and answers. Brother Branham, you said, we, you teach that we must not keep Sunday as a holy day. And he said, um, working or fishing on a Sunday. And Brother Branham says, I believe it's a sin to fish, to hunt, and work on a Sunday when you can go to church. I, I just want to say, you know, Satan is constantly eroding what we believe. He, he's trying to make Sunday a day like any other day. Just be casual, do whatever you want, you know, stop at the store and do this and do this. And, and Brother Adam says, now, he says, in the Old Testament, it was a Sabbath day. They had to keep that day. But Sunday is the eighth day. It's the first day. So he says, if you're in the wilderness, you're on a hunting trip, and there's nothing around, and you went fishing, I believe that would be all right. Wow, let me go out in the wilderness, and I can go fishing. No, that's not what it said. And it said, but if you're going to be around the city where church is going on, you ought to attend church by all means somewhere. <laughs> I believe as far as working, if the ox is in the ditch and something has to be done on a Sunday, go ahead and do it. But if it's something that you can't help or you have to do it, but if you just do it and wait till Sunday to do it, that's wrong. Now, now I'm starting to move you over from, you know, uh, righteousness without works. I'm starting to put you over into the work side. Because if you are a believer, you're going to have some works to follow you. They're going to show up in you. What does that brother believe? He's, you know, half the time you don't know what they believe. But I see him doing this. I see him doing that. I see him doing that. Well, that sometimes tells what you believe. Now we're at different stages in the journey, of course. But I, I want to go back here just for a moment. Let's go back to Genesis 12. I'm going to read just a few things in the life of Abraham. I'm not going to read all of it. I said I'm going to just jump right in and I'm going to do that because I don't want to be lengthy here. Genesis 12, I'm just going to read verse 4. So Abraham, now here God had spoke to him, given him the promise, given him the promise of what was going to be in the end. Right at the beginning, in the seed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Now, I don't know what it was like that day. I don't know what he had to say to his father, to his relatives. You know, when the realtor agent came and put the sign up, I said, where are you going? I don't know. I'm just following God. Wow. You're a strange one. You know, which, which God is it again? Uh, which, which idol? No, no. It's an invisible God. Uh, you, I can't see. And, and God is saying, here's a man who responded to something his eyes couldn't see, that, that all history around him, nobody had ever responded this way, but here is Abraham, the father of the faith. It wasn't Adam that was the father of the faith. It wasn't Terah that was the father of the faith. It was Abraham. Why? Because God spoke to him, and when he spoke to him, something followed. It flowed out of him. 
That's just as real to me today. When when I was raised in a home, but I went into the world, I lived in the world, I had a bunch of friends, and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't satisfied there anymore. Little did I know, God had been working with me already for time. Uh, It was in my subconscious level. My intellect had not caught up yet, but I, I just couldn't stomach those things anymore. And when I started to separate from my friends, they go, well, where are you going and what are you doing? He says, well, I, I just feel I need to go and serve God. He says, well, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I serve God. You know, I, I can do all these other things. What's wrong with you? I don't know what's wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. It's like, what's wrong with the rest of the world? I, I can't help. Why? This is the living God. This is not a theology. This is the God that made creation. This is the God that was there when Adam was there. This is the God that has seen kings and kingdoms go, that same God has called me and I must respond. There's got to be something I'm going to do. So here, 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 Abraham, he departed as the Lord spoke to him. Let's just jump ahead. Genesis 15. I won't read all of it, but you can read verses 1 to 4. God comes and confirms the covenant to him. I'll be your exceeding great reward. And, and Abraham says, all I've got is this Eliezer of Damascus. How am I going to have a nation? And, and, and in verse 5, now God speaks to him again. And he says, and he brought him forth abroad and said, look now to heaven. Tell the stars if you'll be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Now, if somebody came and told you that, and here's verse 6. This is the part I wanted to get to. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, here's the conditions. Sarah is barren. He's got this. He's been walking all this way. He's had lot to deal with. He's got his father to deal with. All of these things are happening. It looks like nothing is happening. But God comes and speaks again. And when he speaks again, he says, yes, I believe it. I believe that's exactly the type of people we are. I, I, you know what? I, I hear the news. I hear the signs. I hear what the governments are saying. I hear what the world is saying. But I come back in the message and I go, yes, that's right. This is exactly what I believe. These books, when I read these books, that's, yes, that's me in there. That's the same thing that happened to Abraham. That's me. I, I, my, my mind is on one thing. You know, and, and you, not to say that you're just in the world and you don't focus, you don't interact, you do. But your heart is going, give me Jesus. Just all that I want. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Because in him, I can be in a job and be blessed. In him, I can have friends and be blessed. In him, can be my wife or my husband and be blessed. In him are my children. In him is all these blessings on this earth and in the life to come. Why wouldn't you want that? But Abraham says, you're right, Lord. I'm going to give it all to you. And, and he says he believed God. And so I don't know what happened next. Maybe Abraham came down to the coffee the next morning. And he says, you know what? See those stars up there? That's my seed. And they're going, and your wife is still barren? Yeah, but I believe God. You mean... You people, I, you know the story that Brother Bram tells in the seals about the country cousin? You know, it's just a little story. Oh, it's so true. 
You know, all the denominational cousins were there. The, the, the son of, of, of the, the, the estate owner comes to the ranch, and he's watching. There's a big dance. There's a shindig. Everybody's making their thing. But there's one little country cousin doing the dishes, and he slips out from the dance, and he comes to her, and he says, do you know why I'm here? I've come for a bride. I'm looking for someone with character. I'm looking for someone who will be loyal to me, faithful. Do you think that's a story? Brother Brown told that story in the 50s, 60s, and, and at the time of the seals, even more so. It wasn't just a story. It was real. And that's what I'm under. That's what, what we're there. Oh, he promised me. And all she could say for a year was, you know, they said, he, you're dreaming. When, they to, when she told the story, he said he's going to marry me, and he's coming back in a year. He's going to marry you? Who are you? I'm a modern-day Cinderella. No, well, you know, Dan Daisley always used these types. Brother Dan, if you know him, you know, he, he's the one who spoke on Snow White and the Seven Doors. He took on Beauty and the Beast, and he took on, on, on Cinderella and, and all these things. And, but he could do it in a way I couldn't do it. That was Brother Dan. But I'm just saying is, we believe him. When, when the Bible says, you know, in Brother Brandon would speak in thinking man's filter, and we, we spoke this morning about modern thinking. When God tells men, don't wear those shorts. It's, it, you got knobby knees. <laughs> it's, it's a sissified thing. And, we th- and I, the first time, all I ever knew in my life was I played basketball, I played sports, and we wore athletic shorts. What's wrong with shorts? Okay, I'm, I'm starting with the men. Is that all right? And, and, he, and he says that. And so, but in the middle of that, he said that. And I remember one time, he didn't really mean that, did he? And I'm, I'm one time, just a year, maybe six months later, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking, it's summer, and then we were together with a couple of brothers, believers, and it was a hot day, and it was just us on the beach, it was just guys, and I thought I'd put on a pair of shorts. I never felt so uncomfortable in all my life. They didn't say anything to me. They just left it. Oh, God's dealing with them. He'll, he'll come. To, and I'll tell you what, after a while, I threw all those things out. I just said, why? If that's what you want, God, that's what I want. And, and Brother Man would say, now women, pass your modern thinking of dress. Before you go out, before you wear clothes so tight, pushed out in the front and the back, I'm not critical, I'm your brother. I'm telling you, your body's a sacred thing. Before you go on the street dressed like that, pass your mind through a thinking woman's filter. Brother, before you turn your head to look at her, pass your mind through a thinking man's filter. Well, I, I, all I know is the word. All I know is what God has told me. You'll come out with a holy man's taste. So, so here's Abraham. This is what Abraham, this is what we go through. And Abraham, he, in spite of the circumstances, he believed God. And he began to act on it more and more. We already referenced Genesis chapter 17. And you can read where, where he would, God told him, I'm going to make your covenant with Sarah, your wife. And, and, and I'm going to give you the circumcision. I'm going to do all of these things for you. Let's just go back to the book of James. James chapter 2. You can say... Well, you know, nobody was there to record all the things that Abraham did, but people began to see this guy lives differently. He doesn't come down to Sodom like Lot does. He's just separate. He's, what's with him? What makes him tick? What does this? So we're going back to James chapter 2. Verse 
And, and it says, we, we read this, was not Abraham our father justified by works? Now, th this is really interesting because it looks like it's so opposed to what Paul just said that Abraham was justified by faith. So he, he's saying this, Abraham, he said his faith, in verse 22, faith wrought with his works and by his works his faith was made perfect. Now, if you're a believer, it's going to show up somewhere. It, it you know, I, I appreciated the testimony of Brother Greg last, last week. He was talking about his family and what he saw come up them while they were sick. I, that was faith. But really, it was there all the time. But when a situation came up, faith took over. Now, we, we can say, you know, somebody we prayed for died or passed away. Did we not have faith? No, we had faith, but we trust in the will of God. And, and you know, faith is, is, is a constant action. Brother Van would say in perfect faith, a believer is the faith of God that moves in you. It's obedience, as our brother Moses was saying the other day. Just being obedient, just trusting him. And then a situation comes up, Faith, it was always there, but now works bring it into, into, a, into its place. So you can say, we prayed for somebody and, and he, he died. We didn't have faith. Faith isn't just manifest when we pray for somebody and they're healed. Or when they're raised from the dead. That, you may have had that faith all along. But faith comes into its fullness at works. Now, Brother Bannon brings it this way. He actually says it in the message, faith without works is dead. 1950, as early as 1950. Paul was speaking in Romans chapter 4, saying Abraham, justifying Abraham by faith. James is justifying him by works, but these two do not contradict. Paul was speaking what God saw in Abraham. James was speaking what man saw in Abraham. And he would say, Paul... In, in what God saw in Abraham, that, that he was going to have this child, and it was imputed to righteousness. Now, James was speaking what man saw in Genesis 22. Now, I'm going to come back to that right away, and that's the scripture we're going to close on tonight. Faith that you have is what God sees. Your works is what your neighbors see. Well, I'm a believer. I believe I'm sold out to this message. I believe it's the coming of the Lord. And I, and, and, and you know, they, 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 they watch you and they see you. you. You were at the hockey game last night. Didn't you have church? I, I thought you said you were sold out to this thing. Right, now listen, don't, don't get heavy on here. I don't know anybody that was at the hockey game. And if you go to the hockey game, but I just say this, put God first. And, and if God is first and he's in your heart, hey, he'll make a way for you to go on a Tuesday night. Or some other night when you don't have something going on. And, and that's fine. I'm not saying anything against it. But I, I'm just saying this. There's got to be something that people say that identifies you as a believer. And, and, and in, in the message, God's billboard, Brother Adam would say it this way. He would say, you know, if somebody accused you of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prove it? Well, I'm just a secret believer. I'm, I'm one of those undercover spies that just just goes and 
you know, I, you know, I, like I, I remember I was preaching one time, and, and I, I mentioned something along that line, and a brother, you know, I, and I, I, he said, I didn't say amen in the service, but I was with you all the way. I said, why didn't you tell me that or nod or do something? It really would have helped me in the service. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm just one of those undercover people. Well, yeah. I'm one of those undercover people that goes to the restaurant and prays for their food. <sighs> On the other hand, you don't have to go to the restaurant and kneel down. Heavenly Father, thank you for this food. Oh, God, bless me your name. No, that's a big show. That's what that is. Just be a believer. Thank God. Listen, be honest. I am who I am. I'm nobody different. I'm not trying to be something else. I just am what I am, and it shows. It comes out. I was just with a meeting with a client, and I didn't know that they knew somebody I knew. And, and I'm in the middle of a meeting, and, 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 and they said, hey, so-and-so, he says that you're a minister. Is that true? Well, it's true. I, I said, and, and I, I'm not going to preach right now in, in this business meeting, but, but it's true. I, I do work for the Lord. Oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> you know, but, but it's, it's like you never know when it comes up. <laughs> Is this okay? Listen, there's, there's two sides to this. So, so, listen, let's just go a little further. Verse 24. This is in James chapter 2. Do you see then how by works a man is justified and not by faith only? And he says, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out on another way? Now, you, you actually look at Rahab and, and when... You know, the legalist would say she didn't follow the letter of the law because when the king's men came, she lied, but in her heart she was a believer. Listen, and, and she actually, she diverted the men, chase after them. You know what? I think they just left the gate. I, I saw it on the security camera. In fact, if you look, you probably can see them going all the while they're up on a rooftop. Hey, she was a believer. And we are believers. And I'll just say this, and somebody, somebody said, you know, that, you know, minister, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes it's this is questionable. I said, there's a scripture for that. I said, as deceivers, but yet true. <laughs> you, 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 you sometimes, you, you, you go out a ways, but, but you're always looking for that which is right and true and honorable. And it shows up. It shows up. My, oh, my, I should just get you all to stand and clap your hands or something. I feel like I, I just need you with me here. I'm just about done. I, I would have been done already. Just come with me. <laughs> Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. I, there's, there's so much I could read here. Genesis chapter 22. We're going to conclude on this. And, and I, I just, just look at Abraham. You saw Genesis 12. He obeyed as God said. Genesis 15. He, he, he says it was... It was counted to him for righteousness. Genesis 17, he circumcised, he separated, he cut it off everything. But now we come to Genesis 22. I'm just going to read this. We'll just, just, let's just read this. This will be the last scripture we read. Verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said to Abraham, Behold, here I am. 
And he said, now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. Now, he doesn't say, take your GPS and you'll see it, it's this and this. He says, no, just walk and when, when you get close, I'll tell you. That's what a believer's life is. Fully trusting in God. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. I know he's been with me on this journey. I know he'll take me through. Now, Abraham, God doesn't tempt like the devil tempts, but God is checking to see what has been wrought in Abraham. How much does he love me? How much does he trust me? And he says, now take your only son. And he says, your only son, when really he had two. But he said, the one that you love, the one that you treasure, the one that you know came from me. Verse 3, and Abraham rose up early in the morning. He saddled his ass. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose up and he went to the place to which the Lord had told him of. What a perfect type of Christ Isaac was. Now, don't just look at Abraham here. Look at Isaac. Because Isaac was also a manifestation coming into place here. In the type, Isaac, what? He's carrying the wood up the mountain just like Jesus carried his cross. Isaac was the type Jesus was the fullness. God was showing what he was doing in his seed. And so now Abraham, he's got works now. He, now Abraham is fully manifesting what God had him. Verse 4, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place afar off, and Abraham said to the young men, what a, what a prophetic voice here. Because he knows in Isaac shall thy seed be called. No matter what's happening here, no matter what it looks like, God's going to make a way through. Now listen, this kind of faith would not come if he hadn't obedient in Genesis 12, 15, 17. It never would have brought him to this place. And full obedience entitles you to the token. And he would say, now, here comes Abraham with the young men. Abide here, uh, abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and return to you again and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went, both of them, together. Now, you know, it doesn't really tell us what was going on here. You know, it was Abraham saying, okay, shut up and listen. And Isaac, I don't want to do this, Dad. Brother Bradham actually gives us illumination. He said, Isaac surrendered himself. Isaac was love. Isaac was a type of Christ, like a lamb going to the slaughter. And, and you, there's other scriptures in the Bible that tell of this, but the message really does tell us. And he said, Isaac was obedient like Christ was. Now this is the foundation for the masterpiece, the Old Testament masterpiece. And he says now, verse 7, And, and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, 
Here am I, my son. Behold the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. Now that wasn't just speaking to what would happen a few minutes later, but that was speaking for 2,000 years down the road. This was for Abraham's royal seed. And he would say, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide a lamb. Verse 9, and they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Isaac, the seed of Abraham, it looked like this was all coming to a terrible conclusion. I don't know what Isaac thought. I don't know what Abraham thought. All he'd say, Lord, I've trusted in you. You're the one when I went before Pharaoh. You're the one that protected Sarah. You protected Sarah because in her was this seed. You are the one that when I was in famine, you're the one that did all these things. You're the one that that even when I was out in the wilderness and Lot picked the better way, you're the one that redeemed Lot. You're the one when I interceded. Now God is fully identifying with his servant. And his servant is becoming one with God. There is a fusion that's coming together. Now it's not just heaven leading the believer, but it's heaven and earth coming together. Heaven and earth is coming together again in a people that are surrendering to God where it's not just what God looks in heaven, but he says, my bride, what do you say? What will you do? Because I believe we are God's voice on earth again. And he would say, he laid an altar on the wood, verse 10. And Abraham, I don't know if you could take the picture. Abraham has got the sacrifice. He's got the knife. He's, he's raising it. Listen. I believe Abraham's ears were open. Whatever you say, Lord. I don't know about the Hebrew children. They're going into the fire, and they said, our God can deliver us. Nevertheless, we're following what he said. There's a people on earth like that again today. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, And he took the knife to slay the son. And God looked down and he saw that he was just ready to do it. Verse 11, and the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham was ready. Yes. And he said, here am I. And he said, don't lay your hand upon the land. If, if you could put it into common terminology, Abraham, this is just a type. What you're acting out will be acted out in reality down the road. Abraham, I see in you something that I can build on, something that the rest of the seed will have, something that a bride will have in the end time, something that a New Testament masterpiece will have. Lay not your hand on the land, neither do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, 
seeing you have not withheld thy son, thine only son unto me. Now, God knows all things. He knows the future from the beginning. He knew what Abraham would do. But he brought Abraham to this place so that Abraham knew, I'm ready to throw myself off this cliff, so to speak. I'm ready to give up everything. Though you slay me, I will trust in you. And there might be parts in our lives that we come to these precipices and we say, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what's ahead of us yet, but I know in whom I have believed. I know he holds tomorrow. And Abraham, God allowed Abraham to come to that place where Abraham knew I was ready to do it, and I would have done it, and I believe he would have done it. And he was an ordinary man that came to this place. And Abraham, and he says, for now, I know that you fear God. You've not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him in a, a ram was caught in a thicket by his horns. Brother Brandon would say, where did that ram come from? There, there, there was no animal life up there. Where did he come from? When Abraham was down at the bottom of the mount and Isaac asked him, the Lord will provide a sacrifice. When I couldn't bring my righteousness, the Lord brought me a sacrifice. I'll trust in that sacrifice. I'll trust in what he did. And then he says, we just conclude. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in his stead of his son. And here's the first time that a manifestation of the name of Jehovah was brought forth. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said in this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord sees, the Lord knows. And the angel of the Lord, now, that was the first time the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, by myself have I sworn. Now look at, look at what God puts back on Abraham now. And he says, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for thou hast done this thing, thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. In blessing I will bless thee, in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. And, and he goes on to say, and thy seed shall possess the gate of the enemy, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Paul picks this up in Hebrews chapter 6, and it said, God swore by himself, because he could swear by no greater. And he swore and he said, I will do this because of what Abraham did. I will sure, I'll be a surety to his seed. And you and I can look at that today and say, God took care of Abraham. And I trust God. And I believe God. And I believe he'll take care of what I need as the musicians come. And as all of these things, as we come into a time like the world has never come into before. What's going to come with, with, with new restrictions? What's going to come? I don't know. But I know in whom I have believed. I know I will trust him. I know he will see me through. I know it. It's not just my faith, but it's my works. And God is now allowing someone on earth to speak and, and be an example for him. Let's stand together.
Why don't we sing that? I know in whom I have believed. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed before his own. Say. Hey.